So we are in the book of uh, Vayikra. And we get through the book of Vayikra very, very quickly. We're already halfway through the book and, and uh, we've hardly had cheer. It's a very small book. Historically speaking, it took only a month in Jewish history that you can tell by reading the date at the end of Sefer Shemot and the date at the beginning of Sefer Bamidba. Um, but it's a very important Sefer. For those of you in Esther you will know that by now. Um, Tazriam and Sora, and this is the particular subject we're going to be dealing with today, Be'ezrat Hashem. At the end of last week's parasha Shemini, we discussed pure and impure animals. Right? What's kosher and what isn't kosher. And at this stage of the book, we're now going to talk about pure and impure people. Okay, we're going to start off very, very briefly with what happens after a woman gives birth. And then the vast majority of these two parshas is going to talk about leprosy, which isn't the biological leprosy that we talk about today. But it, it would seem that it's a, uh, an illness that comes as a result of sin. And therefore the cure for the illness is, is teshuva, it's not medicine. And there is, and this is very relevant, and we spoke about it last year, there is, uh, you can't hear me? There's a, there's a lot of room here. The, the, uh, there, there, is a, there are a lot of similarities to isolation. Right, where a person who is, uh, enough rabbis spoke about this last year, where if, if a person is Tumah, he is told to leave the camp, he is told to get out, uh, as we were told last year, get out of shul, I want to see you in shul. That's more or less the reality that was dictated to us was, uh, I'm not going to speak about that either. There is a midrash at the beginning of this week's parsha, and this is what the whole shir is on this midrash. And the Midrash is, is quoted by Rashi. Amar Rebbe Simlai. Rebbe Simlai says, "Kashem she is sirato shel adam acha kol behema chaya ba'of b'maaseh bereshit." In the same way that man was created after all animals, right? Animals were created on the sixth day, and man was created immediately after. Kach torato nit parsha acha torat behema chaya ba'of. So the Torah of a man's purity and impurity is discussed in the Torah after the purity and impurity of animals. It seems that the Midrash is simply saying that there is a parallel between the creation where man was created after animals and the laws of man's purity which, which are taught after the purity and impurity of animals. That's the Midrash. Let's see what goes on with this midrash. The Tzedal Ederech, who is a perush on Rashi, says as follows: Kol kavanat Rabbi Simlai, all of the intent of Rabbi Simlai, Ratzalo ma kashem shehatam hatam bevriah humishum sheloyit geeh haadam. Why was man created after animals? And you'll see there's a difference of opinion, but according to the Tzedal Ederech. 
man was created after animals in order that he does not become too proud, think too much of himself. So if man gets too proud, you can turn around and say to man, you were, you were created after a mosquito. You were like the last thing that God thought of. Hachinami, so that's also the case when the Torah of man is taught. Katvu ba'achrona, it is written after the purity and impurity of animals. Lo'orero to remind man that he's only man. V'yitzirato ha'menuvelet, and he comes from a, 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 a stinking piece of liquid. How infectious he is. And he compares his tumor to the tumor of animals. Because animals aren't tamay at all until they die. But man can be tamay when he's living. And so man can be more impure than animals. Even when animals die, if you touch, I don't know why you would, but if you touch the carcass uh, of a dead animal, it's a very, very low-level type of tumor. Just tumor error if you're tummy for a day. The minute a woman has a child, she is tumayah in a serious way. Dahayinu tumat shiva, a tumat of seven days or more. V'shah chumrot dinei nida, and other chumrot of dinei nida, and of sarat as well. So, echid ga'er. L'chein echid torat tumato, achat torat tumat ha'behimot. So, the message here, says the Seyed al-Aderech, was to put man in his place. Man has a tendency to think a lot of himself, to think that he can do anything and everything. So man was created last to remind him that he's not the most important thing in the world. And his Torah was told last to, to put him in his place. There's more to say. This isn't the only comment, okay? The Torah Moshe is a perush on Torah by the Chatam Sofer. Okay, Rab Moshe Schreiber, very, very important uh, perush, very important individual. And Rav Moshe Schreiber writes as follows. The Khatam Sofer, he gives us a number of ideas. I chose two. I chose two. Rebbe Simla. He says something else. Now, all of this is in the Gemara, but he says something else. The reason why all of the plants, all of the flora and fauna was created first was Kadeshi Kanesla Sauda Miyad is that everything would be ready, right? And when, once everything's ready, man wouldn't have to wait. God would create man and say, go on, go in. And everything's ready. No Torah, not nothing. Everything's ready to go. The problem is, is that when man walks into a world that was prepared for him, he starts to think, oh, oh you know, all this is for me. So God created on the same day as man animals to say that you're the last animal. And he wasn't even allowed to eat animals, right? Everyone was a vegetarian at creation until, until the flood. So 
So man was created last because, but, but he's added a, a facet here. Why would man start to feel good for himself? Because he walks into a world that was prepared for him. So to put him back in his place, animals will, a man is just another animal. Again, we'll elaborate. So also now, man has just created a mishka. The Mishka represents man's ability to bring God into the world. Now, animals can't do that. And there is a suspicion that man, having brought God into the world and created a reality as such, he's going to, that's what happened, right? With Nadava and Avihu, he's going to start feeling good about himself. We can do what angels can't do. Angels can't build a temple, but we can. Therefore, God taught the Tumah and Tahara behemoths first to put us back in our place. What he's added to the Tzedah Lederech is why man would think greatly of himself, because in truth, the world was created for man. But again, it depends what you do with something like that, whether you, you take your... Uh, your talent, your gifts, and you take them humbly, or, 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 you, or you become obnoxious. And, uh, okay. In his second comment, he adds a further facet. So here he has something else, and again, he's using the Gemara. He says that there are two reasons why man was created last. One of them, we've mentioned a few times already, is to put him in his place. But the other, we also just mentioned, is a positive, right? The whole world was created for you, and you will walk into a world that is ready for you. Chada so one of the reasons is a negative reason. She'im chata, if he sins, omrim lo yitush mecha. If a man sins, you say, you know, even a mosquito was created before you. That's such a big deal. But who emet? That's true. Shekol b'riyach hashuvah min adam rasha hamoret belokim agam shemakilbo. A wicked man who has rebelled against God is less than an animal. The hasheni, but the second way to look at this is the shlach, is a positive. Shekulam nivru l'sham shom. The, the whole world was created to serve man. The And there's a suda ready for him. The whole world was just there waiting for me when I walked in. And then he was created like a king, a king who, so he's got an army. And that's also true. Man can be one of two. He, he can be worse than an animal, or he can be the greatest thing that was ever created. A person who does what he was created for is the purpose of the world. He's the reason why God created the world. And the world was created for him, for a man who's a human being. There's nothing special about animals. They're just animals. They don't have dilemmas. They don't jump off buildings. They don't have much kichot. 
Shumayla or Briyuta, they don't have a plus, they don't have a minus, they're animals. But you see in our parasha that when man gets certain illnesses, he brings it upon himself through his sin. This message is, is, is so apt for the period that we are in at the moment. We're fresh out of Yom HaShoah. We are on the eve of Yom HaZikaron. We could do this just with Yom HaShoah, but we'll do it with Yom HaZikaron as well. Man has choice. Now, whenever discussing the Holocaust, one of the most challenging and cul-de-sac discussions is the theological discussion. There's nothing to be said, because there are no answers. There are many questions. You have to define the question properly. But there are no answers. And anyone who thinks they have answers to the theological reasons of the Holocaust either knows nothing about the Holocaust or they've lost their mind. You, you can't explain the kind of horrors that occurred to our people and to other peoples, but to our people mostly during this period of time. The cruelty, uh, the devastation, the, the pain it's hard to imagine there's any sin that deserves such a thing. And so I, I've always preferred just not to talk about it because I don't have an answer. But there's another element of the Holocaust that we have to study, which is human beings' behavior, because we are human beings. And this actually happened. And it's unbelievable. If we talk about Orly's grandfather, try and imagine a human being who is bathing a baby. And the first thing they have in their mind is go and call the police to get the, them killed. What, what kind of human And this is the same human being who brought these people in from the cold. Go work it out. Go figure. But that we have to figure out because that's human beings. People chose to do this. People chose to behave worse than animals. There's a story in the ghetto of Tarnov. A woman is walking with her two children, and a German jeep pulls up and snatches both children. They put them in the jeep, and the jeep drives away slowly. The woman runs after the jeep and catches up with the jeep and smashes on the door of the commanding officer and says, give me back my children. He stops the jeep, gets out of the jeep, opens up the back of the jeep and says, choose one. Choose one. That's what she had to do. She had to choose one child. When they both heard what he said, and they're both looking at her, and she had to take one child. She had 10 seconds to make this decision. Go figure. Go figure a doctor who has taken the medical oath, who takes a woman in her ninth month of pregnancy, waits for her to have contractions, and ties her legs together to see what will happen. Go figure. 
These are people who even a mosquito comes before them. And then without even, let's keep it non-Jewish. Let's go to the same story that we heard the other night. The friend of the family who at risk of death will take in a mother and child and look after them at risk of death, death for him and his entire family. Go figure. The world was created for such people. These people are the pride and joy of God. The Roy Kleins of the world who when a grenade is thrown at their platoon and it's lying in the middle they have four seconds and he collapses himself on top of the grenade and saves all of his soldiers and dies immediately. But he's married and he has a wife. Go figure. For these people the world was created. And what is the key word here? The key word is choice. We all have that same choice. God is throwing down these scenes in front of us all the time. And we have to choose how we're going to play the game. In every scenario, from scenarios as severe as the Holocaust, to choosing whether you want to wear a mask in front of old people or whether you want to endanger them. Because you don't care. Or because you do care. We're getting these scenarios thrown in front of us every minute of our lives. And we have that choice to either choose whether the world was created for us, whether even a mosquito was created before you. You are such a nothing. And you're worse than an animal, right? Because an animal just goes by instincts. An animal just does what its nature tells it to do. You can't give a musa drasha to a cat. I did once, but it didn't listen. It ran away. There was a cat in my front garden, and it, it killed a rabbit. And then it didn't even eat it. It was like sitting there, and the rabbit was dead. And the cat was sitting there, and I approached the cat, and I said to them, what, are you, well, what was that for? Like, why did you do that? Like, it's just a little rabbit, you're not even going to eat it. And the cat just went and ran away. <laughs> but you can't really give a monster brush to a cat, because it's a cat. Certainly not to a robber cat. So they, they, just do, they just do what, they, what the instincts tell them to do. And if a cat cleans itself, it's not because it had good educational lessons from mummy cat. It's because that's what cats do. So you can domesticate animals to a certain degree, but you know they just do what they do. They can't be held responsible. Whoever killed Gus cannot be taken to court. Just eating. We have to remember Gus. So... It was just, it's just part of the nature chain for the human being that kills. They have to be held to account because they had a choice. We have a choice, ladies. That's a choice for our whole life. Do we want to be the people that God created the world for? Or do we want to be even less than a mosquito? Every, every... Sometimes we do both in our lives, right? We have ups and downs, but... But that is, the, that is the picture the Khatam Sofa has painted for us. I'll go to the Shemi Shmuel. And the Shemi Shmuel takes us into, an, us into an entirely different avenue of discussion, which will then be elaborated on by Rabbi Lichtenstein. And for those of you who have 
who have learned a bit, the lowly man of faith, you will see, it's Rav Lichnishin's your site this week, you'll see, you'll see, uh, you'll see allusions to Rav Soloveitchik there as well. The Shemish Mishmur Sobachava quotes Rashi, but he's going to give us, he's, he's going to go further than the world was created for you, or the mosquito. He, he, he's, he's going to go further. Rashi, and of course, Rashi didn't write this, it originates in Vayikra in the Midrash. In the same way that man was created after every animal and, and chicken and bird, um, so his Torah is also mentioned, it's my wife. And my son who's going in the army on Sunday. So, um, so embarrassing. Right? When my older son, when my older son, he had his, um, he had his tekes at the Kotel, he came up to the Midrashah, he had peace in my office or whatever. And he was in uniform, we were just about to be a Poland, and all the girls were like looking over. And he was like, oh, why did you bring me here? <laughs> 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 like, so, Kach Torah Tomi, Parish of Achatorah Behemachai Behov. Now, the Yeshla Faresh, next paragraph, Yeshla, now listen carefully here, this is, this is absolutely phenomenal, okay? The beginning of that Midrash says that God created me at the beginning and the end, or the end and the beginning. Man was created at the end of Breshit, that we've already established. But he was also created at the beginning. What does that mean? No one said that yet. So what does that mean? Listen to this Chidosh. Hanefesh harishon. Man's soul was created before creation. Man's soul was created before creation. And the body was created on the last day. Or on the sixth day, so he's added a facet no one's discussing, a facet no one's discussed so far. That his soul was created before the animal, and his body was created after the animal. Imzacha. So if we merit, if the body is subordinate to the soul, meaning I'm doing what my soul tells me, I'm davening, I'm, I'm learning, I'm keeping halacha, I'm following my soul. If the, if the body is subordinate to the soul, the and the body doesn't do its own thing, then the soul is the ikka, and you are the reason God created the world. Because the soul that was created first is leading the body. The in love, but if that's not your way, and you just do whatever your body tells you, you just follow your body all the time. The soul becomes subordinate to the body. 
that you were preceded by a worm, you were preceded by a mosquito. Adkandra, this is something totally new, right? He's saying that there are two elements to man's creation. In the same way that man's soul, now see what he's going to do with this, this is just so exciting. Becca, this is so exciting. She knows, she can feel it, right? Hold, hold on to, uh, to those around you. So it says, just as the soul was created first, so the Torah of the soul was created first as well. What does he mean? The Korbanot. The Korbanot atoned for the soul. Right? The Korbanot in Vayikra and Parashat Shmini and Sav, they come before Kashrut. So the, the Torah of the soul precedes the Torah of the animals, which precedes the Torah of the body. Exactly the same as in Bereshit. You with me, right? In Bereshit, the soul was created first, then the animal, then the body. In the Torah, the Torah of the soul is created first, Korbanot. The Torah of the animal, Kashrut. And then the Torah of the, of the human body, Tazriyam Betzorah. All of the Torah before Parashat Shemini was about the soul. You don't bring a Korban to deal with your body. You bring a Korban to atone for your soul because you've sinned. And your soul has been damaged. The reason you bring a korban is to align your soul, your intellectual soul. The korbanot and kaparal nefesh. And the korbanot that were discussed in Parashat of Vayikra and Sav are about the soul. The body, this is the last thing that God creates. So the Torah of the body is after the animal. Absolutely phenomenal. He, he has totally elaborated on our theme. And he, said, he said, you don't have to speak about man, the positive and negative being created last. No, the soul of man was before creation. Then God created everything, then he created the body of man and he put the soul into the body. Therefore he says, so is Brit Milah is, uh, relates to the body of a person. Even though everything to do with the body of a person is about the soul as well. But Brit Milah is, is correcting the body. And by correcting the body, you then correct the soul. Next I want to explain to you now, says the, the, the Sovachava, I want to explain to you why God created the soul first and then the body. Why didn't he just create them together? We know that man has, uh, we have ups and downs. There are times when we just want to pray to God and times when we just want to stuff our faces with pizza or gluten-free. Sometimes the other way around. Sometimes 
the soul is strong, and sometimes the body is strong. That's what the Passover means. <coughs> At the begin, I was before and after he created me. That the, the natural, most natural form of man is to yearn for God. That was created first. Now, if the body was created at the same time as the soul, there's a danger the body would overcome the soul totally. So the soul was given an advantage. What has the Shem Yishmuel given us which has added to the Khatam Sotfer and to uh, the words of Rashi beforehand? Is he's added this idea that man was created not just at the end, he was created at the beginning, but there are two elements to man. There is the end to man that is his soul, and the element of man which is his body. The body is the animal, but the soul can lead the body, or the body can lead the soul. If the soul leads the body, the world was created for us. If the body leads the soul, then even a mosquito is better than us. So question, right? It's, it's every time you're hungry and you have to... Uh, have a snack even though lunch is in five minutes or every time that you just can't get out of bed. I overslept this morning. I, I got up at 5.20. It's a disaster. Right, an hour and a quarter late. My whole day is running late because of that. So you, you can oversleep sometimes, right? Everyone oversleeps sometimes. I did hear the alarm, but it became part of my dream. I know that a lot of you have that experience on a regular basis. Or you use the satanic snooze, and uh, and just which is which is Mamashi Yet Sahara snooze. It is the Yet Sahara. So that's what snooze is, right? Go back to sleep, forget Dublin. Another five minutes, another five minutes, then it's Mincha. <laughs> so now with all of that, ladies, now with a, with a Sogachov in mind, with a Shemi Shmuel in mind, that the nefesh was created first, and then the body. Now come and see what Rav Lichtenstein said. Rabbi Hashim says as follows, and he is now going to elaborate on the shame Mishmuel using an idea that you might have seen before in Lonely Man of Faith. You might have seen this in Lonely Man of Faith, I, I don't know. But Perushon et Chilat Parshat HaShavuah. Rashi, so we know the Rashi well now because I've quoted it five times. Midrash HaMuvah Midrash Rabbah B'Shem Rabbi Simlai. Rashi quotes this midrash by Rabbi Simlai, who must be a takeshish of parshat hashavua sheavav etchilat parshat hashavua anochachit. And therefore, he explains the juxtaposition of last week's parsha and this week's parsha. Last week's parsha is the tumatara of animals. This week's parsha is the tumatara of man. Dinei tumavatara shel adam, mofim lacha dinei tumavatara shel balechai. The halachas of the Tum and Tahara of a human being may come after the halachas of the Tum and Tahara of an animal. Fine. Now you have to concentrate here, okay? Because this is going to get a bit confusing. We've just spoken about until now one creation where man was created last or he was created at the beginning and the end. But you will know that there are two creations in Bereshit. There's Bereshit Aleph and Bereshit Bet, correct? There's in Bereshit Aleph where we have a general description of creation, 
where man is created as part of a whole kingdom, and you have Perek Bet in Bereshit, where man is created as just man. Okay? Keep that in mind. So he says, Hamofia Bereshit Perek Aleph. The Midrash is talking about Bereshit Perek Aleph, because only in Bereshit Perek Aleph was man created last. Kodem nivru achayot, first the animals were created. Verakla achamikem nivraha adam, and only after that was man created. Ve'ulam, behit basesam nevrazoka shalatzma, lobur mashmotov shel seydezer. Without going into what we've already said, Rabbi Chinshin says, I don't really understand how we can understand the, the meaning of that order. Unless. The Midrash asma muvan ifnei memratoshir av simlai sidrasha memrot. If you open up that Midrash, you open up that Gemara, and you learn the Agatha there, you'll see a number of different discussions about man's creation. And they are all relating to the order in which things were created during creation. As we just quoted, Now here, listen carefully. This is what you have to hold by, okay? There is a machloket here between Rabbi Elazar and Reish Lakish. Okay? Ledad Rebbe Elazar, according to Rebbe Elazar, Ha'adam nivrahen la'achar achayot kedem. Now he's interpreting, we're not going to get involved in the complexity of, of the Hebrew here, but he wants to say that man was created after, after the animals. And also before the animals. How does this work out? Now, follow carefully. You can only, you have to follow. Rabbi Lazar mefarishet a pasuk tosehar es nefesh chaya lemina behema veremes vechayto ares lemina kemitchachesel nishmat haadam harishon. Again, like like we just saw in the Sogachova, the man's soul was created first. Briat nishmato shel adam harishon kadma lebriat hachayot. Man's soul was created before the animals. The man was created in body after the animals. Now this is Rab Lichtenstein's interpretation. Even though man is important in the context of animals, and therefore his soul was created first, he is part of creation. The description of man in the first parak of Bereshit is man as part of the animal kingdom. He has a slight advantage over the animals in that he has a soul. Slight is an understatement, but that's the way he said it. Okay? Then Sheikh Tabarav, Rabbi Lazar continues and says, Hamidrash Mitzatet, sorry, the Midrash then quotes Reish Lakish. Now Reish Lakish says something else to Rabbi Lazar. Rebbe Lazar said, to remind you, the soul was created, then the animals, then the human being, but, but man was created as part of an animal kingdom. Reish Lakish says, no. Achor is talking about the last day of creation. Mashiach. 
Rishlaki says that in, in, in the book of Bereshit at the beginning, we are already alluding to Yemot HaMashiach. Hold on, it will become clear in a minute. HaMasamet et Tahalich HaMata HaHistori. HaMeta HaHistori. He understands that the book of Bereshit is not discussing man as part of the animal kingdom, but man and his objective, which is to get to the days of Mashiach. It's about man, it's not about animals. Ledad Reish Lakish, according to Reish Lakish, Habasis HaRayonish El Kiyom Enoshit Kavan Lokon Abriah. It's not that man's soul came before creation. The purpose of man and the world was defined before creation. Not his soul. The purpose of the world. In other words, Man's existence is the purpose of creation. Even though man was created last. He's going to elaborate further. We are talking about a fundamental dispute about creation. If you define creation by the first chapter in Bereshit, like Rebbe El-Azhar, man is a part of creation. He's a part of the puzzle, an important part of the puzzle, but it's just part of the puzzle. He's not really an independent king. He doesn't have his own day of creation. He was created after animals. On Friday afternoon, just before they put the platter on. After the animals were, were created. Man is like an animal. And he plays on the same playing field as animals. This is the way Rabbi Lazar Well, man has an advantage over animals because he has a neshama, but he's one of the animal kingdom. Man is an animal. That's chapter one. But if you open up chapter two, there's almost nothing else is mentioned, only man. Chapter 2 of creation. Man 1 and man 2. Right? That's what Rasul Avedji talks about, right? Man 1 and man 2. Man is described without any other animal around them. If you look into chapter 2, you'll see that the flora and fauna is created after man. In chapter 2 of creation, Man is the star of the show. And therefore he has a totally different stand. It's got nothing to do with animals. That's what Reish Lakish is saying. The world was created for man with the objective of Yomot HaMashiach, of man reaching this climatic state where Mashiach will come and there will be world redemption. Now we don't have to necessarily suggest, says Rav Lichtenstein, that they're arguing. Because how could Rebbe el say that the purpose of the world is that there's an animal kingdom, a man has an ashama, that's it. 
Well, that's very shocking. Fuck, you say the purpose is math. So now see what he does with this. לשתי הבנות הסותרות של רב אלעזר וריש לחש המשתקפות בשוני שבין ציור הבריאה שבפרק א' לבין ציור הבופיע בפרק ב' This machloket seems to be reflected by the differential descriptions of בריאת העולם in פרק א' and פרק ב' המדרש מסביר So he says, connect this with the next midrash אם זכה אדם אומרים לו אתה קידמת לכל מעשה בראשית If man is worthy he is Perek Bet. The whole world was created for him. He will reach Yemot HaMashiach. The Imlav, and if not, he's Perek Aleph. He's just another animal. Rabbi Eliazar and Rish Lakish are looking at man from different perspectives. Lo You see what a beautiful message this is. It's just it's just totally emphasizing the point we made before. It's a question I posed to you in different shiurim over the year. Do we want to be super animals? Or do we want to be human beings? If we are super animals, we are peric aleph vibration. If we are human beings, we are peric bet. Our plan is to go in the opposite way of Walt Disney. Walt Disney spent his life turning animals into human beings. Creating human beings in animals. We are trying to take human beings away from being animals. That's the choice. Now what do I mean? If we were to have a discussion now, and I was to ask you the following question. Has man technologically improved in the last 500 years? It would be a very short discussion, it's a no-brainer, and the answer is yes. Because we can film, we can send out WhatsApps, and we can fly sometimes, and, and, and we can do lots of things that they couldn't do 200 years ago. We have eye, eye cups that we can check where they are in case they run away. And um, it's an easy discussion. If I were to ask, if I were to ask you a different question, has man improved morally over the last five hundred years? Now we would have a discussion about this because we're just coming out of a century where we had two world wars. And in one of them, they made factories to kill human beings. And no man ever did that. More than that, if you ever study philosophy in university, the people you're going to study lived in the 13th century, in the 14th century, in the 12th century. That's much less clear. So the way I look at the world is, is, is the way Rav Lichtenstein is presenting it. Man has a choice. Do you want to be Bereshit Aleph, a super animal? Do you want to be a human being? A human being doesn't need an aeroplane. He doesn't need an iPhone. He needs to be a good person. He needs to help people. He needs not to be selfish, not to be jealous, not to be angry. You don't need a microchip for any of these things. And that's the choice. I feel 
that the Western world made a, a subconscious choice to be a super animal. It's just much easier. So we can do things that animals can't do. But are we better? Has, has the world improved? Have, have we improved as people? The mere fact that it's a discussion says it all. It's not a no-brainer like the first question. And so as opposed to what I was saying with the Khatam Sofa, you, you can choose to be a, um, an Adolf Eichmann or an Oskar Schindler. The choice here is, is, is the same but different. You can choose to be a super animal. You've got every computer, every, every chip that works in the world. Or you can concentrate on who you are as a person. Bresha Aleph, where man was created, but man is just a bit better than animals. Bresha Bet, where the whole objective of the world is man. What man's doing. How man's behaving. And so we go to our final source. I have to finish on time so you have no worries. Rava Mittal. And his words are more darshani here, but very, very relevant for the beginning of, of, of a term, and, and a very, very brief term. It's a very short term where you can just see from the calendar that, that every single week is experiential, really. And the week after next is, is La Baoma, and then we get a Hebron, and, and then we got Svad. Yeah, all the time we're doing things, and then there's Yom Yerushalayim, and then there's Shavuot, or whatever. There's something every week. Um, it's very short term, but we have the advantage that the vast, vast majority of you didn't leave the country, so we're not trying to get you back into Israel. You've been in Israel, thank God. Um, but see what he says. So he starts, as everyone else has, <coughs> Okay. Now this is a totally different keyboard. The man was created secondly. In real terms, man was created last. Qualitatively speaking, man is first. The world was created for him. God, when he created the world, knew that the objective was man. He planned the world to serve man. Like a house is built in order to serve a man. But the Midrash sees importance that the man was the objective. So man was at the beginning, man is at the end. 
The importance of the ending goes without saying. Because the ending is, is the ending is what we're doing everything for. That's what God was planning from the very beginning. But what difference does it make that the soul was created at the beginning? It's just one little act at the beginning of many acts that will end, climax, with the sixth day. So here he goes now into, it's more sermonics. The importance of the beginning is the beginning itself. In a number of places, you can see the emphasis, the underlying importance of the first step that we make. David HaMelech, when he puts the Mikdash or the Mishkan together, the Mikdash together, the planning of it, If at the end of the day what is important is the end, why talk about the beginning at all? Because there is something about the beginning that needs to be observed, that needs to be conserved. And that is the excitement. That is the excitement, the enthusiasm there is at the beginning. You're aiming for something way down the road. But on the first day, you're raring to go. Says Rabbi Mittal, how do you keep that enthusiasm? That's what's important about the first day, is the memory of the first day, the drive of the first day, the belief of the first day, when you've done 200 days. This first infusion, you've seen a boy put on tefillin the first time, a brother put on tefillin the first time, how each time he puts it round his arm, it's like a slowly and carefully. You've seen a 40-year-old put on tefillin, he's not even thinking about it. I have to remember how to keep that first moment. He said, even though the achor, the end, is the most important thing, there's something about that beginning that you have to keep, the freshness. We, we've had a lesson in that this year. I feel like, I have to tell you, overwhelmed at every single thing that we're doing this term. Before last year, I had done it 25 times, at least. Summerton introduced Jeremy Lee, sat with him, done the films and the photos and whatever. And then suddenly you meet someone you haven't seen for a year. You haven't seen for a year. When I spoke to him last week, he didn't know my mother died. He had no idea. We, we, you know, I don't speak to him. He didn't know, right? We're not, we're not in the same social circles, I would say, but I'm not in any social circle, but, but so we're not in the same social circles. I hadn't seen for a year. I was just overwhelmed just to see someone I hadn't seen for so long. And, and then just to have the day. I'm overwhelmed by this week. I was overwhelmed by going to rehearsal. 
I still, I suppose, am in trauma from the fact that I couldn't give this to last year's girls. That I couldn't, I couldn't say goodbye to last year's girls. I, they, they weren't here for this fantastic term. Uh, and suddenly you have this appreciation, but only because it was taken away from you. Uh, and in life we have to be able to have that appreciation even if it isn't taken away from us. When we, everyone came back to shawl and, and you know, our shawl is green, so, so we had, um, not green color, but green, and, and, uh, and the Rav was always crying, you know, he stood and he suddenly saw 400 people in shawl. We've had about 20 in shawl for the last two months, and before that the shawl was closed, and well, I remember last year when, just after I got up from Shiva, we, you know, everyone's religious, so we had backyard minyani, but for a few weeks we didn't have a Sefer Torah because we didn't have access to a Sefer Torah. And I remember the week they brought the Sefer Torah. And, and they bring the Sefer Torah and I, and I realized that I hadn't seen a Sefer Torah for three weeks. It's probably the longest period in my life I've not seen a Sefer Torah. I started crying. And then Lital can tell you what happened when I came back to the Rova last year on our, on our wedding anniversary on Gimel Sivan. It's a few weeks to remember. <laughs> And uh, and uh, and been to the Kotel and been to the old city for three months. I haven't gone twenty two and a half decades with being so so far away from the Kotel. I'm very very spoiled. Some Jews come to the Kotel once a year. Some Jews do a year in Israel at the Kotel. I've been here for twenty six years. I've never been away for three months. Totally overwhelmed. And when do we appreciate things? We appreciate things when people take them away and God takes them away. What Rabbi Mittal is saying is that we shown, even though the Maturah is at the end, even, even though you're aiming for the end, you, you must never lose that enthusiasm, that, that drive. Never get used to it. It can disappear in one day. Just, just this is amazing, right? Rina is here. Rina is the most co consistently visiting alumni to my shift, but she hasn't been here for a year. And, and she's just come back, right? Alumni landing with Mars, Rob Nilsson allows them, and, uh, and um, just take it for granted. There are people we, we haven't seen, just... So now, now we're getting these things back, I think we have to remember to appreciate them and, and, and guard that appreciation and know how to keep that. So man was created for the last day. There's a long-term aim, but the first day is so important that that enthusiasm is, it's totally darshani. It's not like the other ideas that I've been, which I think I've shot in the Midrash, uh, but, it, but it's such an important message. The ability to hold, and as you get older, it's more, important, more and more important, because as you get older, you have more and more of the same experiences, and it's so easy to just live life like a robot and just do things. And, and the minute you feel that you've lost that Rishoniyot, that enthusiasm, that excitement, you've got to stop. The minute you feel you're taking something for granted, you've got to stop. Even one girl came into me this week and, and, and said to me, I've said this to you so many times, right, that, that, that you don't understand who the teachers are. One of the students came in and said they, they now understand who Maria Wolf is. It's April. It's April. Staring this woman for, for eight months, six months, seven months. It's April. 
uh, and you've got to you've got to keep that appreciation and, and know to look for the appreciation and keep the excitement. Uh, the the Koskarevi said once. I have to finish it. Going to be late. The, the Koskarevi said that people keep uh, keep praying for God to bring back the dead. He said, I'm busy trying to bring back those who are alive. I'm trying to revive the people who are alive. They're, they're living like robots. They're living dead. They, they, the incredible things are happening around them, and they, they're just not noticing it. And that is just a lead-on to what I will speak about on your mind, Smaud, how it could possibly be that we are seeing what we are seeing, the realization of 2,000 years, living a prophecy, and people aren't celebrating. But we'll leave that.